Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you that today we can come before you and we can praise you in spirit and in truth. God, we worship you. We recognize that apart from you, there is no good within us. But Father, because of you and because of your spirit's enablement, because of what Christ has done, we can bear much fruit. So Lord, I pray that as we hear from your word, you would stir within us this longing to know you more and deeper and better and more fully. And that Lord, you would birth within us this fruit that we've been reading about, this fruit that is born of your spirit and displays the beauty and the magn just the magnificence of our King who is Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. This morning we're gonna have an opportunity to look into the scriptures and if you don't have a copy of God's word, I would love to gift you one from Bethel Church. You can simply raise your hand and our ushers are coming down the aisle. They'd love to give you a copy of God's word. We're gonna be in the Bible on page 1004 looking at Galatians chapter five. And I'm excited for us to have the opportunity to look into the scriptures. I also recognize many of you will be using the Bible app. I think that's fantastic. Um, I have recently met some people who've never owned a Bible. And as I think about that, I think I want you to be one who owns a Bible and has one that you can look at and hear these words that come from the Lord. Well, today we find ourselves coming to the end of a teaching series on the fruit of the Spirit. Over the last eight weeks, we've looked carefully at eight of the nine virtues listed at the, as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five, again, page 1004, if you're using one of those Bibles. And as we approach the text this morning, I wanna remind you of the context of the letter of Galatians. Paul's writing to a young church. They've placed their faith in Jesus as their only hope for salvation. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one of Israel, sent by God the Father to rescue and to redeem his people. And by grace through faith, they've entrusted themselves to the care of Jesus. And then came along some people who wanted to add to this message. In addition to the good news of freedom by the Spirit, these teachers challenged the young believers to become even more spiritual by seeking to obey the laws of Moses through circumcision and other outward deeds. And thus they would prove that they are truly as spiritual as they say that they are. The church had become a relational mess. And Paul had to warn them in chapter five to stop living according to their old ways. Many were giving in to the temptations of the flesh, the world, and the devil. Paul sent the letter of Galatians to these people he loved to encourage them not to be tricked. They should not be duped or bamboozled by this newfangled approach to spirituality that really wasn't new and really wasn't spiritual. Judaizer imposters were adding to the good news of Jesus. He reminded them that Jesus plus anything is a different gospel. Jesus plus circumcision Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus living as if there is no holy standard, these are not the good news of Jesus. And today we face similar challenges. Legalism invites us to believe that we can be made right with God through our good works. We try to save ourselves by doing good things to earn favor with God. But the scriptures teach us that there's nothing that you and I can do to earn favor with God. 
Because our salvation is a gift from God. As those who have believed this truth, we're also tempted to believe that the standards of God, well, in Christ, they don't really matter. Our world applies pressure and our flesh entices us and our enemy whispers to us that the holiness of God is really not that important. We know in Christ the fullness of deity dwelled. In Christ the penalty for sin was fully paid. In Christ the resurrected life is made possible by grace through faith. The scripture teaches us that in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God, we are made right with our heavenly Father. When you've trusted Christ, you're baptized into the Holy Spirit and your old desires, the flesh, are made powerless to control you. You're no longer a slave to your flesh and the world and the devil, to your sin. You're set free by the Holy Spirit to say yes to God. So when Paul wrote to the Galatian church, he taught them many things. And one of the things that was most important to him is that they have been set free to live the Christian life by the Holy Spirit because their flesh, the world, and the devil are rendered empty. In Romans 6, he said, reckon them dead as you find your identity in Christ. Listen as if for the first time to these words in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. That first word, but, is a reminder to go back and see what the contrast is all about. This is an invitation that life in the Spirit is new life. You have been set free from the power of darkness. I have found this study to be very helpful. And I've appreciated looking at each of these virtues week by week to consider how the Spirit of God desires to well up within me and within us the fruit which can only come through Him. On the back of your sermon study guide this week, you'll see a summary of all nine fruit with a verse that comes from the study guide that we've offered to families. I want to just zoom out for a moment and remind you of these virtues and, and what they mean. Help us get a little bit of a big picture of what we're talking about here. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling or an emotion simply. It's a choice to meet the needs of others. Joy is a deep sense of well-being that's not just determined by our circumstances. It's a gift from the Lord. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the awareness of the sufficiency of God in every circumstance. Patience is the ability to wait on God, trusting that what God is working for is for our best and it's for his glory and it's in his perfect timing. Kindness is expressing to others the same mercy and grace that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. Goodness is made evident through God's grace and love. Apart from him, we know there's no good thing in us. And although on this side of heaven, we'll never be perfect through his spirit, God begins the process of purifying our lives and we begin to see the goodness bare in our works. Faithfulness is the characteristic of reliability and the trait of loyalty. God is faithful and we can always count on him. And a faithful person is one who does what they say they're going to do. This is a gift of the spirit. Gentleness, we learned last week, is power under control. Humility and restraint derived from a position of strength in Jesus. 
I loved Pastor Andy's illustration last week that, that for him, he, when he thinks of gentleness, he thinks of the elephant. Though it has the power to destroy trees, it has the ability to pluck a, a piece of grass. It's power under control. And this week, we're going to look at self-control. And I would offer to you that one of the ways we can see self-control best is, is to think of self-control where we show discipline in our emotions, in our words, in our actions. I zoomed out so that we could zoom in. This series has been a wonderful reminder of what God is doing in my heart and the heart of his church to put the spirit on display as his fruit is born out in us. But at times I have to confess to you that this study has also been quite convicting. As I read each of these eight virtues, it can easy, be very easy for me to see where I fall short. I read about joy, and then I think about some of the days this week where I wake up, and in the morning, all I see is smoke. Did you see the meme? The Canada fire, and everywhere you move around the campfire, the smoke follows you? That's what it's been like for us. And so I think, you know, some mornings I've woken up with a, a little headache, a dull headache, my throat hurts. I'm frustrated about my situation, and joy is not my default setting. I start out as a deficit. And I read the list and I see where I've fallen short. I think of goodness in this verse from later in Galatians 6 where it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. A couple of weeks ago in our e-newsletter, I mentioned that these last 18 months have left me vulnerable at times to feeling weary of doing good. Maybe some of you are weary today. And so today I want to acknowledge with you that we all face trials of many kinds. The temptations to disbelieve, the opportunities we have to give in to sin, they're very real. And I'm convinced as I share just a little bit of that, that I'm not the only one who, when you read these nine virtues, looks at the list and says, I don't measure up. And I want to remind you of these words from Jesus in John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we desire to bear the fruit of the Spirit, it will only be lived out as we remain in Christ. The most important thing about who you are is who you are in Christ. And so as we talk about bearing spiritual fruit, I want to remind you of this truth that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And if you're following along on the sermon notes, I want to offer this statement to you. In this life, we will face temptations of many kinds. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is a verse that I would encourage all of you to memorize if you haven't yet. Because when it comes to bearing the fruit of self-control, we have to recognize this truth. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Friends, we are made as children of God through the grace of Jesus Christ by faith, which is a gift from God. We're set free to live by the Spirit because we're no longer a slave to our flesh and the world and the devil, and we struggle. 
We live in this already but not yet reality. While no longer a slave to our flesh or the world, the devil or our sin, the pressure of this life are very real. And under intense heat and under intense pressure, we become like the mold of this world apart from the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, it's easy to give in to temptation. And we face temptations of many kinds. Most of us as adults, we were kids once. And we have a lot of kids with us in the room today. And we thank God for the families that are here. One of the things I love about Bethel Church is that when I stand to preach, I can look this direction and that direction and this direction. And I see generations of people worshiping God together. For you who are a little bit older kids, do you remember what it was like to be a big kid and you're playing with your toy and then without anyone asking your permission, somebody comes along and grabs your toy and takes it? I don't know if you were like me, but I've heard that when I was a kid, I would get really mad. And often what came out of me was not fruit of the spirit. It was something else. Friends, that temptation to sin isn't just for young people, it's for older big kids too. When things don't go our way, we're tempted to react. And every temptation we face is an invitation to sin. Listen to what James says in James chapter one. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When that's ripped out of your hands, your first response may not be your best response. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, we know that in this life, we're gonna face a lot of challenges. And when I think about self-control, one of the things I think about is just the physical self-control it takes for the athletes that we get to watch perform in the Olympics, or the soldiers that perform in their duties and others. Paul uses lots of illustrations like that in the New Testament. And with the Olympics on, we get lots of that on display. Athletes know that muscles grow when muscles are under tension. That's why you lift weights, to grow your muscle. And God wants to grow our spiritual muscles. And we know that our spiritual muscles will grow when they're placed under tension. You will face temptations of many kind. And that temptation will be an invitation to sin. But take note of this, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger because what we think, what we say and what we do will give evidence to the fruit of what is being made in our hearts. We know that apart from God, what we think and what we say and what we do is often sinful. But the work of the Spirit of God is to bear something different. I offer to you this formula of quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry is in fact opposite of what we see today in our world. You don't have to look really far to see the opposite of this. I'm so thankful uh, for my Facebook friend, Nick Hall. He's somebody I know as well. And many of you have watched Nick's life as he's built uh, Pulse Outreach. The Spirit of God is using this man. And this week there was a lot of pressure on him and I watched as he responded this way and it gave me hope. It was something that produced joy in my life. Quick to listen. Uh, think about this for a minute. Research and experience tells us that too often while we're talking, I'm already formulating my response to what you're saying. 
We're, we're often missing hearing each other because we're always thinking about us and what we're gonna say in response. And the, the focal point has turned from you and what you have to say and my love for you to me and what I'm hearing and what I'm gonna say next. I offer to you, there's a lot of talking past one another that can be resolved if we embrace this self-control to listen. Slow to speak, brothers and sisters, hot takes and hashtags, that's where the action is. There's a lot of pressure on us especially if you dare to dialogue in public to have an opinion about lots of things and to have it in real time as it's happening. That's what sells. But self-control invites us to a better way. James says we should become slow to be angry. The world says, give me a break. You wanna rile up an audience? Start with fear, start with anger, get them mad. If it bleeds, it leads. I was reading this week, one psychologist was warning the reader that watching the news can be a psychologically risky pursuit. The spiritual fruit of self-control is an antidote to the world's ways of quick to anger, quick to talk, and slow to listen. The Spirit of God is inviting us to a better way. Stated differently, self-control neutralizes the selfish nature of our flesh. Remember Paul's words, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Self-control is the fruit that the Spirit bears in and through us so that we can discipline our emotions and our words and our actions to be more like Jesus. And I want to offer to you in the third point of that outline that if we don't, embrace this spirit-led self-control, the results will be predictable. Temptation and sin invite death, danger, and destruction. We know that temptation and sin bring destruction. Again, we don't have to look very far. And the author of Proverbs saw this lived out and he gave us a word picture of what a person without self-control looks like. He says this in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, one summer I spent about six weeks with my granny and my pawpaw. And we loved watching westerns together. That's how we'd celebrate a good day together. And we'd watch the westerns and, and they're fairly predictable. But I remember getting this visual back then of, you know, if you lived out on a lonely farm or you lived out in, a, in, a, in an isolated little city, you needed to have a fortified wall around where you lived. Because if you didn't, that which was bad got in and caused you trouble. And it was always like a coyote or a wolf or the guy wearing a black hat, riding a black horse with a fancy lever action rifle that would take all your stuff. That's how I remember it. Now we know that's not what the Proverbs look like, but we get this idea that, that if our walls are down, we become vulnerable to an attack. That which is most important could be stolen, damaged, or even destroyed. And I think if we were to modernize this proverb a little bit, a person without self-control is like a house without doors. There's nothing to keep the bad stuff out. Friends, if you're living distant from the practice of self-control, your home is open to being robbed, damaged, and destroyed. Apart from the Spirit of God, we are vulnerable. We're left open to temptation and sin, this destruction and danger and death. But God, 
And this is why the fruit of the Spirit is such a beautiful thing. The fruit of the Spirit is a gift from God. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I think that's the verse the author of Hebrew had in mind when he wrote this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is pursuing you. God is working so that the Spirit of God can bear much fruit in your life. Remember what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we turn to God for help, he helps us. He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. And this brings me to my final point in the outline. Through the Holy Spirit, God gifts to his children self-control. Paul wrote to the young man, Timothy, he said, for the spirit of God, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but he gives us power and love and self-discipline. And this, my friends, is good news. Self-control is a gift. Just as we entered into the relationship with God the Father through his son by grace through faith, so too we grow in our relationship with God by grace through faith. Paul's emphatic in Galatians chapter five, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Brothers and sisters, don't be fooled, don't be bamboozled, don't fall into that lie that says Jesus plus something is better than. And as you embrace this freedom, remember Paul's words in Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your life's no longer about getting all that you can get. As you embrace this freedom that you experience in Christ, you might be tempted to trade legalism for an attitude of forgetting God's holy standards. But God has called us to be holy as he is holy. And apart from Jesus, we can't do that. But in Jesus, we can bear much fruit. We're called to walk out this life lived in the body by faith. As I think of self-control, I think about the push and the pull, the negative and the positive. Self-control is that gift which helps us to say no to certain things and yes to things we should say yes to. In the family study guide, there's this cute thing there for the kids. It says, one of the ways we can practice this physically, and, and, and maybe you'll just play along for me for a minute, especially if you've got kids next to you, just play along. Stick your hand out like this, uh, like, like you're trying to stop traffic. The invitation to self-control really is an invitation to pause and then to think and then to act. So sometimes as we're growing in Christ, we need some of those reminders that, hey, hey, temptation's coming. If we don't do anything, it's gonna be bad. Let's pause, let's think, and then let's act it out. That early Galatian church, they faced a lot of challenges. 
you can go back and read about some of their challenges. And I'm trying to be sensitive to our audience, but just listen to the words of the text. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, they took my toy, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These people were a mess. And so are we. Our hearts are impure. We get distracted in our minds. Our bodies desire things that oppose the will of God. And friends, self-control is God's gift to help you discipline your emotions, your words, and your actions. I love how Ed Welch wrote this. He said, as the Hebrews were promised the land but had to take it by force one town at a time, so we are promised the gift of self-control, yet we also must take it by force. For us to experience self-control invites us to effort. Some assembly required. Some partition, participation required. To live self-controlled, it's gonna require effort. And it's an invitation to a relationship. A relationship with Jesus. In that family study guide that I mentioned, and I'm thankful for it, it's been really helpful to me personally. Um, there were some really practical ideas here about how our homes, our workplace, our social life, all those things could be different if we practice self-control. Could you, could you imagine with me for a minute what your world might be like if under the leading of the Holy Spirit, you responded positively to a question like this? What if this week I limited my media consumption to something that was more healthy for me and for my family? What if this week I invited God to help me stop yelling when I get so mad? What if this week, when, when faced with conflict, I chose to just take a deep breath or four and count to five before I respond, that I really did stop and think before I acted? What if this week it was my ambition to be the first one to apologize and the first one to forgive when I'm offended? What would it look like to be a part of a community where self-control was on full display? What would it look like if, if you and I made the conscious decision before anything else happens to say, I'm gonna believe the very best about that brother or sister in Christ for as long as I possibly can? Can you imagine how that would change our community? It wasn't too long ago that I was struggling to discipline my emotions and I had created a plan with a friend that when this happened, I'm gonna call you. I knew that my actions and my words were not far behind and as somebody who had studied neuroplasticity, it's a big word to say our brains are malleable, he reminded me of a really important truth when I called him. I said, look, I'm doing what I said I'd do. I'm upset, I'm calling you. I pause, I'm thinking. And he said, Jonas, breathe. You ever noticed how we carry so much stress in our bodies? And sometimes we need to breathe. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you were created as material beings in the image of God. And the immaterial is real. The material is real. And we need both coming together to put this fruit to work. I was so mad when he said that. I said, I don't want to breathe. I'm mad. <laughs> he said, I know, slow down. And he helped me breathe. 
And as I took a minute to focus on my breathing and give my brain a chance to get out of this hyper-focused anxiety, I started to notice my thinking was changing. I began to get this sense, yeah, my body is revved up and and I needed that sense of of self-control to literally stop and think. When you and I are faced with temptation, our bodies, they react. And the work of self-control can help us navigate towards a better way. And it is a gift. I want to read you a quote from David Mathis as I wrap up here. He said, you may be able to trick yourself into some semblance of true self-control. You may be able to drum up the willpower to just say no. But when you do that, you're the one who gets glory for that. And that's not going to satisfy you if you're a Christian. We want Jesus to get the glory. We want to control ourselves in the power that he supplies. We learn to say no, but we don't just say no. We admit our inadequacy and our emptiness of doing it on our own. We pray for Jesus' help. We secure accountability and we craft strategies. We trust God's promises to supply the power for every good work. And then we act in faith, believing that he will do it in and through us. And then we thank him for every spirit-supplied strain and success and step forward in self-control. I love that. Self-control can look like many things, but most simply, it'll look like you disciplining your emotions, your words, and your actions. And brothers and sisters, I remind you, as you abide in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will help you bear much fruit. Now, in this week's one thing, On Thursday, when I wrote this, I missed something. I'll point it out in just a moment. But if that could come up on the screen, here's the one thing I want you to to think about. This week, when you're faced with temptation, and you will be, pause. Consider how God is providing a way out. He promised he would. And then look for his guidance and obey his leading. And here's the part I forgot. Then thank him because he desires to bear much fruit in you, in me, and in us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can be bearers of spiritual fruit. God, forgive us for trying to do this on our own. Lord, help us to listen to the leading of your spirit and to obey. Lord, to take that next step of whatever it means to follow you trusting you, seeking you, admitting our inadequacies. And then, Lord, as we struggle and we strain and we take that next step, God, help us to be grateful. Father, thank you for the example of Jesus, how he modeled this. May your spirit be made evident in my life, in these friends' lives, and in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.